Welcome to the WMKT Week in Review. Good morning, Northern Michigan. Welcome back to the WMKT Week in Review. I am Nick Rudy, your host. So finally, after several weeks, we are back into the normal swing of things. If you have been listening to the show the past couple of weeks, we've been talking with candidates for elected office. I think it was two two weeks of that, two or three, and then last week, we gave a brief rundown of the results from the, the primary, and we've had on the special edition interviews conversations, uh, long-form conversations with some of these candidates, and so um, there's a couple of issues that are really hot leading into the election that we talked uh, to them about. Again, all of these previous episodes, whether it's a special edition interview or if it's um, even the weekend review, they're archived on our website, WMKTTheTalkStation.com. Or you can go to our social media, uh, Twitter and Facebook, both at Triple Talk WMKT, and you can find the links to the podcast there um, through our website. And then, or you can go directly to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and you can just search in WMKT Week in Review. And both the special edition. Um, interviews and the weekend review are under that same banner. And also it's, uh, we haven't really promoted it very often because it's technically not official, but Apple podcasts specifically, and a a little bit to an extent of uh, Spotify, they own other little podcasting outsources like pocket cast or what have you, a couple of things like that. Um, I think radio public might be one as well. So if you, um, even though we haven't stated, Oh, this is on this specific podcast host, it actually likely is uh, we just don't directly post it to those sites like we do with Apple Podcasts and Spotify. But you can always check it out, type in, you know, WMKT Weekend Review, and if it's um, if it's on your favorite podcasting host, um, it's likely on there. The only one that I know that it's not on is Google Podcasts, and we're in the process of trying to get it added to that as well. But on Spotify, on Apple, and, um, you know, if you miss any of today's show, and I'll let you know at the end here, um, you can always, again, go back and listen to this episode immediately after it's aired. So 731 is when we are off the air here, and you can go out and check out the podcast here. But anyway, lots of crazy stuff happened this week. Um, we're going to get you updated on a couple of stories, and some things just broke this week, as we well know. We'll talk later about the bomb threat in Charlevoix and a uh, shooting in Emmett County here. So uh, let's get into some of these other stories so that we have an update to uh, the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping case. Um, two men accused of plotting to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer are facing a second trial this week. And in fact, uh, the last few days, they've been undergoing their jury selection. Um, they're trying to find jurors, actually, according to the defendants that do not really know a whole lot about the case, which if you're in Michigan, um, is pretty hard to find. So I don't know where they're going to find these individuals, but the jury selection is really going to determine the outcome of this case more so than a lot of other cases. Um, I mean, jury selection is always important, but this one, um, you don't want to have a biased jury going into the, um, into, you know, the, uh, the process. So they're going to be careful on who they select as much as they can be. Um, it's an extremely messy case. Two men took a plea deal earlier this year to get a reduced sentence. And obviously, you know, they were sentenced to prison. Uh, another two men were found innocent by a jury. And then these two men, Adam Fox and Barry Croft Jr., received a different outcome in a hung jury. So that's why they're going back for, uh, you know, again. So the defense is likely going to argue First Amendment protections. Um, the two men found innocent benefited from questions regarding about how involved the FBI may have been in prompting the men to participate in the plot. You know, it's there's a lot of 
lot of crazy things going on in today's world that all play into a lot of these little smaller stories. Um, you know, again, I spoke to you, you don't want the jury pool being biased uh, against the defendants, per se, um, depending on your perspective. And so if you, you know, that's, you don't ever want the jury really to be biased anyway, um, in either direction. And so they have to find someone who's really not in tune with Michigan news, like at all, because this has ever been everywhere on the news. And then also, um, you know, there's a lot of lost trust uh, in the FBI. Um, you know, even during the last trial, there was questions um, swirling around January 6th and what FBI, uh, you know, what they had to do with January 6th. So that was a little bit um, tainted as well. And then even most, more recently, people have their own opinions of the FBI, um, even now based furthermore on the raid that took place at Mar-a-Lago, Trump's, you know, private residence. And so um, you have all these people, everyone has biases. And so when, you know, either side of the issue where they're like, oh my gosh, I love the FBI, they raided Trump, you know, he's guilty, or oh my gosh, you know, this is a private individual, former president, and um, the most likely candidate to run against, um, you know, the, the current administration, how can the FBI be signed off by, you know, the DOJ to do this? Um, you know, and so you really hate the FBI right now. And so there's going to be very few opportunities for the jury to one, not be biased against the FBI because of January 6th, not be biased against the FBI, um, you know, for Mar-a-Lago, not be biased for the FBI because of Mar-a-Lago or for January 6th. And then furthermore, they've already heard about this case. So it, it's um, it's going to be really interesting. And then even further implications here just in Michigan, this, this trial will likely probably wrap up um, before the November 8th election. And, you know, if this outcome, either way, it's going to play into the election. You know, Whitmer can tout this as a win if the men get convicted or she can tout this as, a, oh, my gosh, you know, like I don't have complete control over this state. And, you know, the FBI isn't at my beck and call. So, like, you know, I am um, these people were I mean, she said um, they're not this is not a kidnapping plot. This should be an assassination plot. They thought she thinks that they're going to, you know, they were going to murder her. And so she obviously thinks they're guilty and that the charges should be harsher. So she can really tout this as, you know, um, there are people in Michigan that are against me. And, you know, she wants to unify the state again. Um, so she could really run against that um, and accuse, you know, Tudor Dixon of maybe being radical if Tudor's made any assertions that these men are innocent or whatnot. Um, I'm not exactly sure if Tudor's actually spoken on this issue yet, but that's always a possibility. The last note that I want to make on this is almost funny, sad, all at the same time. You never know how a uh, trial is going to end up, you know, even just from the outside, generally speaking, or if you're the defendant or the, you know, the prosecuting attorney. And um, you're just, you just got to be interested, though, especially if Adam Fox and Barry Croft Jr. are going to be acquitted, um, if that is the thing that ends up happening. And the reason, by the way, that they were acquitted, I'd like to know because I forgot to do so earlier, um, is because they might have been a little bit more involved. Uh, the other two were like kind of underlings. These two individuals had a little bit more leadership. Um, but yeah, I just want to make a quick note of that. But anyway, imagine being the two guys that took a plea deal. You know, they're like, oh, my gosh, the FBI, you know, these people, uh, let's just assume that this is what they were thinking. You know, oh, my gosh, the FBI was involved, you know, so who knows how far this goes into the justice department here in michigan and obviously whitmer hates us and blah 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 and so you're just like i'm gonna take a plea deal and get limited sentence time you know instead of taking a risk and you know just having the judge throw the whole book at me uh, and then their friends get acquitted 
Um, could you imagine just like how irritating that would be? And it's not even just this case, but you know, just take any case, you know, um, you know, you, you're with your friends and, um, you know, the cops just burst in the door and they're like, Oh my God. And they like, they, they plant like drugs in your house. And then you're like, Oh yeah, like this is, you know, this is not our stuff. And you go to trial and you're, you take a plea deal. Cause you're just like, Oh my gosh, well the, the police, uh, you know, hid the drugs in our apartment. How can we be sure that the, the judge isn't trying to incriminate us either? I don't know. It's just, uh, it's a whole, it's an interesting thing to think about how bum these two dudes must be because they, um, they took a plea deal and, uh, cause they might've been concerned about the, you know, the justice system. But anyway, uh, there's a, there's an update to the 1965 cold case of Wisconsin woman, Carol Pierce, who has been considered missing for decades. Her former husband and Sheboygan residents, uh, Carol Richard Pierce was found not, uh, was found guilty of killing Carol and he was sentenced to life in prison plus three years, which is the maximum sentence. While Carol's body has never been found, the jury found enough circumstantial and forensic evidence to convict Pierce of this decades-old crime. So I've talked about this case before, and I've talked about the specific thing before, but I want to reiterate that the fact that no body cases are really, really rarely tried. Uh, but they actually have a higher conviction rate than cases with a body. This is because prosecutors have a much higher expectation for quality and quantity of evidence practically demanding they need to know that they will get a conviction before walking into a courtroom. In this particular case, Richard Spencer had benefited from a pension from Carol's death. He gained full control of a new house and land in Sheboygan. He rented a trenching bulldozer shortly after a trencher bulldoze, bulldozer shortly after she disappeared. He had a new girlfriend just weeks after Carol went missing. Police even spoke with witnesses, um, neighbors who saw physical signs of domestic abuse and that said that um, Carol told them that Richard was going to kill her on three separate occasions. Yeah, they spoke with these neighbors and they're like, oh, yeah, I remember back in like 1975 or whenever this happened. Like Richard's like, yeah, like um, apparently threatened her three times to kill her. So lots of lots of circumstantial and lots of uh, forensic you know, evidence here. Um, so it was enough to convict um, even this many years later. So, again, you know. They got the conviction, so it's um, it just again proves that no body cases have a higher conviction rate because of the absolute amount of evidence that there was. I mean, let alone I, I think they probably could have gotten a. I listened to a bunch of true crime pod podcasts, and so I know some of this information from. And you probably get renting a bulldozer, getting a new girlfriend, and getting control of this pension house and land all might have been enough just on its own to convict. Richard of this and this is the fact that Carol's never been seen since so crazy crazy story but that finally won that's finally one that's put to put to rest he's going to prison for the rest of his life in Wisconsin so no one will ever see Richard Pierce again in outside in the world all right let's take our first break we'll be right back with the WMKT week in review you're listening to 1023 and 1033 FM, 1270 AM, Triple Talk, WMKT. You might listen to the radio by yourself, but you're certainly not alone. Together, radio stations like this one reach more than 90% of Americans every single week. Six times more than Sirius XM, five times more than Pandora, and four times more than Spotify. 
Whether you want news or sports talk, top 40 or country, local AMFM radio is always there, 24-7, 365, 100% free. Thank you for making AMFM radio a part of your week. Message furnished by this station. Triple Talk 102.3 FM and 103.3 FM, 1270 AM, WMKT presents the Podcast Spotlight Hour this Sunday at 5 p.m. Showcasing episodes from podcasts published by McDonald Garber Broadcasting. This Sunday's podcast is Tales of Northern Michigan's Past, which details history of Northern Michigan. Don't miss the show this Sunday at 5 p.m. on Triple Talk 102.3 FM and 103.3 FM, 1270 AM WMKT. Welcome back to the WMKT Week in Review on 102.3 and 103.3 FM, 1270 AM, Triple Talk, WMKT. Let's get into the big stories from the week. These two stories here are probably the uh, the ones that got the most media coverage and most interest from the community. So a 50-year-old Emmett County man was found dead after being shot by his drunk girlfriend on Wednesday night, Central Dispatch received a call around 9 p.m. on Wednesday from a woman who said she had just shot her boyfriend. When police arrived at the scene in Friendship Township, they confronted the 48-year-old woman who had made the call and who was still holding a gun. They confronted, uh, they found the 50-year-old man deceased from multiple gunshots. Uh, the woman had been taken into custody and she's will be charged with open murder and possession of a firearm while intoxicated. So actually, I was receiving some text messages from people um, on both of these stories, but this one, you know, like, oh my gosh, they found, like, you know, a body in Emmett County. Um, and it's strange because they didn't give the identity yet because usually you wait to for that to happen until the, uh, the individual is arraigned. However, they had, like, a picture of the house on... Um, you know, blasted across social media and um, news articles and gave the road and the township and the county, you know. Um, and so people were able to whittle it down to who, like, they're 99% sure who it was because all you have to do is you go through, you know, like, all right, county, Emmett, township, friendship, road, blank, and then, like, see the picture of the house. And so you just, like, you know, Google map it and you're like, okay, this is the house. And then you just search who owns it. And just make you just triple check. You just check the ages, and you up the ages match up forty eight and fifty. So you see who these people are, and so you can be pretty darn sure who was the victim and who was the uh, aggressor um, and the criminal. So it's um, you know it's interesting when they don't immediately release the information altogether when they give some of this information that allows the public to pretty much exactly narrow it down to who it was. But I'm gonna wait to identify them until the law enforcement releases their names in an official manner. There were some scary scenes in Charlevoix on Thursday. It was a situation reminiscent of the January 2021 threat in Harbor Springs. The city of Charlevoix was put into a lockdown for a bomb threat. Police received a call around 2.30 p.m. on Thursday, and the caller said there was a bomb on the bridge and a sniper in the area. Police evacuated a two-block radius and conducted a thorough search and found nothing. A uh, second call came in later uh, to the police saying the threat was a hoax. The FBI is, uh, you know, was participating 
uh, in the investigation. Uh, early reports suggest that um, police have suspicion the caller may be the same caller responsible for the aforementioned threat made against Harbor Springs. And that caller, they presume, based on some research that they did, was from Great Britain. So we don't know why this caller allegedly from Great Britain has it out for northern Michigan, but it doesn't sound like that they've made any criminal, you know, um, complaints against this individual. Doesn't sound like they've worked with Great Britain to, I mean, this is the second time this guy's done it. So, you know, this could start being a trend every year that he does this. So I'm interested in knowing if they're going to take any further action regarding the actual caller who's, you know, harassing and um, making cities utilize precious resources. Um, you know, they obviously brought in canine dogs to sniff the uh, the bridge and they didn't find anything. So a really unique story. Um, and yeah, it, I, I genuinely don't know what the process would be because it's a phone call. Um, I don't know if they're able to trace it, um, but to a, a specific individual, I'm assuming that the way that they know that um, or they have a suspicion that it's the same guy as, you know, I'm sure they recorded these phone calls and they just compared the voice, um, but which would then lead you to believe that there's no voice modulator used unless they're comparing it and saying that's, oh, it's the same voice modulator. But who knows, getting into the weeds a little bit, but I am curious to see if they work with British government to try to you know arrest this guy so he stops harassing it appears just only northern michigan but you don't want him obviously harassing anyone but a really interesting situation and hopefully there's um no such situation with the uh the bigger bridge up a little further north and they don't make any harassing calls about that because that would really be problematic um for sure archaeologists speaking of uh up by the bridge, archaeologists are back to work in Colonial Michelin Mackinac. They made a small but significant find. They found a pair of sleeve buttons, thought to be the equivalent of modern-day cufflinks uh, that date back to eight, 1781. They're green glass paste set in brass. The archaeological dig at Michelin Mackinac began back in 1959, and it's been one of the longest archaeological digs in the country. Interestingly, interestingly enough, I had a couple of jobs, um, career paths that I wanted to take uh, as a child. So before I landed in radio, and there's really that worth a couple, three or four that landed at the top of my charts. Um, I wanted to first be a history a historian, which um, I always loved history. History is my favorite subject. So that was like the number one thing growing up. Uh, but then I realized that I would not make a very good teacher. So obviously most people that get degrees in history become teachers. So that wasn't the route for me. But then in history, I was like, oh, what I really like is like ancient Egypt and like all these old, old civilizations that you can do like digs. Um, and I began to realize like there's not a whole lot of stuff left to dig up, in my opinion. Um, I wanted to be an archaeologist. Um, interestingly, that was like the second thing that I really wanted to do when I was uh, growing up. Um, but I was like, well, maybe if I was like born in like 1920, that would be something that I could have pursued because I was, you know, there was a lot more things to dig up and I could have gone over and, you know, found King Tut's tomb with all of them. So um, that was that was one of those things. And then, you know, if you're curious, I eventually landed on radio because I always listened to the radio growing up and I just really enjoyed it. So blessed to have been able to uh, pursue 
a such a career that I enjoy. But yeah, archaeology, it's kind of funny. I always wished I could do that. Maybe one day I'll go up there um, to Michelin-Mackinac and see if they ever ever need any help and get my toothbrush and my trowel and just start, you know, digging around there, see if I can find a, a pair of cufflinks myself. All right, let's take one more quick break. We'll be right back with the WMKT Week in Review on 102.3 and 103.3 FM, 1270 AM Triple Talk, WMKT. If you are an FBI agent, um, now is the time to choose. Are you on the side of truth and real justice, or are you just standing on the sidelines and not reporting? Are you just standing on the sidelines and saying, yeah, well, I mean, it can't get worse than this. Oh, yes, it will. Oh, yes. Knock, knock. Who's there? We will ask the questions here. The Glenn Beck Program. On WMKT. The products and services we buy cost as much as they ever have. From a dozen eggs or a gallon of gas to your monthly haircut, which means it's never mattered more where you spend your money. When you shop a store with a door, 88 cents of every dollar stays right here in our northern Michigan communities. When you shop nationally, that number drops all the way to 43 cents, less than half. Your dollar might seem less valuable than ever, but it's never mattered more to your community. Shop a store with a door. A service of Triple Talk WMKT. Welcome back, Northern Michigan. We are here with the WMKT Week in Review on 1023 and 1033 FM, 1270 AM Triple Talk WMKT. I think it's time for a little bit of sports and TV. Might be wondering why I'm bringing this up on the radio. Well, it's because there's big news for the Big Ten. A new deal is going to impact the way you Big Ten fans will be watching your Spartans and Wolverines this year. The Big Ten is inking a TV deal that will bring in over $1 billion and create a football triple header featuring Fox, CBS, and NBC. For the first time in over 40 years, ESPN will be cut out from Big Ten football and basketball games. ESPN, for its part, is expected to finalize a deal with the with the SEC that would go in effect in 2024. Big Ten games would air on Fox at noon, CBS at midday, around 3.30 on average, and then NBC for prime time. This is actually a cause for rejoicing for people like me who do not subscribe to cable and have never have had ESPN so they can watch their Big Ten games for free on over-the-air antennas. Um... You know, growing up, we never really had TV, and uh, I've always just had Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, um, and so it's great because then I get to watch all my games on um, NBC, CBS, and Fox for free over the air if I so choose to do so. Um, so this is great for me. This is great for a lot of people that are that are like me, cable cutters. Um, so this is good. Um, this is at, comes at a time when ESPN viewership is also shrinking, so this might be a sign of the times. ESPN still provides a fair number of sports, but that's shrinking as well. And, you know, this is, I, I say it's shrinking, and then I'm going to list all of these things. But it is important, you know, I'll, I'll explain what I mean here. Because um, I'm talking about ESPN as the channel, particularly. 
you know, that so they carry NBA, WNBA basketball, NHL ice hockey, um, Monday night football, limited playoff games, not very many of those, uh, college football, so it'll be the ACC and the SEC. Um, there's a few other conferences in flux, but really those two are the only ones that are going to get a huge draw. Uh, boxing um, and uh, some pro baseball. Uh, other sports like golf, soccer, UFC, other stuff uh, has been shipped off to ESPN Plus's or behind a further paywall um, on ESPN Plus um, and the, the app. So you're getting fewer and fewer variety of sports on actual, you know, ESPN. Um, and it's a lot of shows, a lot of opinion shows, um, stuff like that on ESPN, you know, um, 2 and ESPN News. So, you know, ESPN is shrinking a little bit, their, their main channel. But, um, you know, it'll still continue to go strong. But I have heard that Disney is looking at, you know, trying to get ESPN to stop hemorrhaging cash, which would always be always be nice if you're, if you're a company. So, but again, uh, Fox, CBS... And NBC are expected to be carrying the uh, the Big Ten basketball and football games here for the foreseeable future, which is great, again, for people who do not want to keep paying for cable but still want to see their sports teams play. And I am also assuming, you know, if I'm pretty sure I'm correct here, that uh, the Lions are also on uh, Fox. Um, so you can watch those as well. I think the only ones you might be missing out on are the, the Tigers and the... Uh, the Pistons, and so hopefully the Lions prove. Oh, uh, well, you know, because you know, <laughs> we uh, we watch the Lions for free here on Fox, and some people may say you get what you pay for. Uh, so anyway, moving on, the uh, the Biden administration has been touting the hot jobs report that was released last week, uh, but many Americans are not buying it into the notion that the economy is strong. In an ABC News poll, sixty nine percent of Americans think the economy is getting worse. The highest total since the 2008 financial collapse. Only 12% said the economy is improving, while 18% say the economy has stayed the same. We'll have to watch and see how much the economy plays into the election. From all indications, it's going to be the number one issue, um, but it could drop. We'll, we'll have to see. Uh, the economy, uh, you know, and, and that's not just the case in America. That's the case in Michigan as the number one issue because of inflation largely. Um Two-thirds of Americans view the economy unfavorably, and because so, the Republicans should have some wind in their sails because Democrats are in charge. However, if Republicans focus on other issues that are they are unpopular for, or Democrats change, change the headwinds, um, like on abortion, Democrats might actually make up some ground if the economy doesn't completely collapse in November. There was um, there was talk of a red wave, um, much like in 2016, but. Um, some even right-wing, um, you know, polls and um, think tanks and talking heads have, you know, toned down the red wave a bit. Um, I think what, because of some of the weaker candidates Republicans are running in the Senate particularly, um, I, looking at the House and Senate only, um, you know, there are gubernatorial races going on, but um, I'm not as familiar with that um, nationwide. But some people are speaking of, um, you know, the Republicans could... Still take the House, but Democrats could actually get a further lead in the Senate. So we'll we'll obviously have to wait till November 9th to find out what is going to be happening. Speaking of November, for the first time ever, Michigan voters will be deciding between two women when they cast their ballots for governor. And both candidates are starting to bring gender to the forefront. Governor Whitmer has been very vocal about her gender, making it a hallmark of her campaign. 
her accomplishments as a woman. Tudor Dixon has waded into the gender issue now as well by releasing a statement that said, This is going to be an epic battle between a conservative businesswoman and mother and a far-left birthing parent and career politician. This is obviously a shot at the topic of gender identity as Whitmer and fellow Democrats are in support of transgender rights and they use more vague language when referring to those who give birth. So this topic is often in the news and the most very recent example of how divided the parties are on this issue is actually when that Inflation Reduction Act uh, that was being passed, um, they passed it through something called Votorama and to get the Democrat um, bills passed, Republic, um, that's what helped get the Democrat bills passed, but um, Republicans could try to stall by proposing a bunch of their own amendments and bills. And so Senator from Florida, Marco Rubio, pursued, proposed a bill that would limit federal pregnancy programs to biological females. He called for a unanimous decision um, because, quote, he says that throughout all of human history, pregnancies have been limited to biological females. So he thought this would be an easy thing to get passed. However, it was not even brought to a vote as all 50 Democratic senators, including Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema, opposed the bill. Gender identity and transgender issues will be one of the top issues, along with inflation and abortion when Whitmer and Dixon meet for debate. And oh my, oh my, will I be very excited to watch that debate and let you guys know all the stuff that goes on within it. Unfortunately, we have reached the end of today's show. If you want to catch up on anything you may have missed in today's episode, you might want to go to our website, WMKTTheTalkStation.com, or you can always listen on demand as well at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks for listening, Northern Michigan. I'm Nick Rudy, your host. This is the WMKT Week in Review. I'll be back next Sunday at 7. You're listening to 1023 and 1033 FM, 1270 AM, Triple Talk, WMKT.